Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am, but Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. And now we're recording. I hit record on the other thing. So now we're good. Now we're, right, now so we're live. <laughs> okay. So let me talk, let me talk to you about the uh, subconscious conscious and how they're related and how I got, and how I got myself into that mess. Okay. Uh, um, well, to be fair, you know, I, um, I, I will say where I'm born and we can't go down that road because then I get I get soggy, you get soggy. So I was born in Ukraine. I read that. I, I, I grew up in Ukraine. And um, when I came to the U.S., uh, I was in my 20s and I married my husband and uh, I had this dream of homeschooling my kids, which I did. I thought it was a great idea to uh, go to Greece to teach them everything about Greek islands in terms of history, came home and my husband was like well sweetheart i don't know how it's done in the soviet union but here in u.s plastic has nothing attached to it so this little card you've been swiping it ain't real money <laughs> so i welcomed my family into debt the trip was great it was very much worth it my marriage survived that and a lot of other things we could just talk about but i literally uh it was 2007 i sat in front of the computer and i was like well I Googled what is one thing that brings most money when you're homeschooling your kids. And of course, what popped up was real estate because homes were flying off the shelves. You sure. know. So I went and got real estate license and I entered the working force as an agent in 2008 when the Great Recession in real estate started. Right. So long story short. I did become very successful because I had a coach and I had a lot of help. And by 2009, I had really great success in real estate, started coaching on that. And I realized very quickly that it's not that people don't know what they should be doing. It's like they know exactly what they should be doing and they know what they're not doing. But what they can't figure out is why or how to get themselves to be doing it, or if they start doing it, that something sabotages them that is much stronger than they are. And that's what interested me. And I went, I went back to school. I got PhD in metaphysical sciences to study how the reality of our inner world creates the reality of our outer world. And then I got every possible energy modality to back up the spiritual, the quantum field, understanding a subconscious mind. So in a nutshell, our conscious mind is our thinking mind. It's the mind that makes a choice. That's just the most primitive understanding. It's a yes or no mind. Sure. Our subconscious mind, and people say, oh, your subconscious doesn't understand. No, it's not that it doesn't understand. No, the word understand applies only to conscious mind. Subconscious is the activation mechanism. And so 
it is reactive. And it's a beautiful thing because if we had to think and remember to pump our heart <laughs> on schedule, I mean, you know, we can't feed a dog. You have a dog. I have three. Yeah. There are days. There are days. <laughs> right. So the subconscious mind is the activation mechanism that implements into life on autopilot anything and everything that either it scoops off the conscious mind or it is programmed by our genes to do or it is deeply programmed by the environment to do. So when people tell me, oh, you know, I'm watching this and that and I'm not affected, I'm like, well, if you can walk into the ocean and walk out dry, then I'll believe you that you're not affected because if you go, you know, I mean, you may be one of those superhumans, but anything that our conscious mind exposes us to programs the subconscious and tell people, okay, right now, you know, listening, do not think about your car. Don't think about it. Don't think what color it is. Don't think what model it is. Don't think whether it has leather chairs or fabric. How are we doing? I'm thinking about it. It it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Whatever we're exposed to codes our subconscious behavior. And that's the danger of the unregulated subconscious mind, because first we get it programmed without our our awareness, and then it programs our life. 95% of our life is dictated by our subconscious programming. I like how you talked about genes right there and that a lot of it's, do you think a lot of it's passed down or inherited from our parents and so on and so forth? Like kind of like genetic memory. I don't, I think that's kind of, you know, I don't know if that's, uh, what am I trying to say that some people that don't really believe in genetic, genetic memory, but some, or most people do, I think. You know, the cool thing about that is, and this is where for years I tried to convince people and then I figured the right people understand at the right time. But the beauty of the science today is that actually my daughter is getting her PhD in statistical genetics and neuroscience. And so, so it's really fun for me because the science that they're getting now is backing up everything and anything that the spiritual world the metaphysical world has been reaching into. And now they're saying, isn't it fascinating that not only, for example, our eye color is 90% hereditary, which means that if I know your dad's and mom's eye color and I see your gene code, I can tell you what your color is with 90% accuracy. You know, weight uh, is 60%, height is 80. It's really fascinating, but it goes for the disease. And it goes for also the programming. And so it's really fun to watch like a three-year-old who's never heard grandpa or grandma that died say something. And all of a sudden it comes out of their mouths. It's phenomenal. And another one that really blows my mind is that all the studies of transplants, especially the heart transplant with genetic memories, and there are records and studies of that as to where a person who receives a heart transplant from a donor often have chills as I say that for some reason it's going to resonate with somebody after you know weeks or months of surgery all of a sudden they crave the foods that the donor liked or they speak the language the weirdest one I read was in a per- was when a person started speaking the language of the donor and another one started playing a violin right so because the genetic memory of a person who carried that in their body was conveyed so Gratefully, we now have the science and, you know, the world, the second you say the science, people are like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the science has been wrong all the time, people. I mean, it's time, it's time to move past science in some areas. <laughs> Do you know who T.T. Fletcher is? Uh-uh. So he's, I don't want to say he's an influencer, but he's this, he's, I guess he is an influencer, mm-hmm. but he's this big bodybuilder guy, right? Okay. And he has a massive following. And when he was on a podcast and he actually said this something very similar to what you well, he did say very similar to what you were that he had to have a heart transplant and he got a heart from I think an, wow. an, an Asian woman, an Asian American woman. I can't remember, but like she was real tiny, real small. But eventually he started kind of I don't think he said memories, but I'll, he may have said the food stuff, but he started inheriting a bunch of different parts that was, like, was this part of her life? And like wow. nothing. And he, yeah, he's this big dude that you would never imagine. Like he has no relation to it at all. It's like, why? Like, are you, there's no way you could be making this up. And when I first heard it, I kind of thought like, maybe there is something to it, but there's no reason why he would just make this up on a hugely recognized podcast. And I was like, maybe there is something to it, you know? And, wow. and then, you know, and then it got to be going down this road that I forgot who came up with this theory, but he was actually talking about, 
inanimate objects and how they have their own memories like this desk would have their own memories and stuff yeah and it's kind of like wait 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 you know and not if you would have told me that 15 years ago 10 years ago five years ago i'm like nah there's no way Well, think of it, think of it this way. And this, this is the, this is what I use a lot in explanation. So let's just look at pure quantum physics. Well, like nothing beyond that. So you look at the body, you look at the table, you look at the body. Okay. You go through the body, you go past the muscles, past the tissues, you get into cellular mass, you go past DNA, past mitochondria, you get into the subatomic frequency, which on the smallest level of who we are, we're just protons, neutrons, and electrons. And if you go even deeper, we're quarks, right? We're just flying little particles. And that is the same makeup on the subatomic level that the tree, the table, the couch is. It's fascinating. Now, I think there's a big difference between me and the couch. <laughs> I do. I on, a good, on a good day, it's even obvious. I but, I mean, but, um, but in terms of what we're made of, in terms of physical matter, because physical matter, when it's looked in its you know originality is nothing but energy so the laws of energy are going to be the same because we are the same yeah and you know with that said it seems like this is starting to become more you know like i said this seemed like a a weird idea 10 years ago 15 years ago but now it's becoming more and more i don't want to say popular but or not mainstream but it's more open-minded i guess Mm -hmm. i mean why is that is just because more people were able to express like stories like ct fletcher like say hey this was what happened to me and there's no reason I should be lying about it. So more people are accepting of it, I guess. Is there I'm is, saying. there is the beginning of undeniable empirical evidence, um, you know, and I think EFT emotional freedom technique um, is something that opened the door for ener- energy work into that world. So their energy freedom technique, uh, I believe in 1998, 99, somewhere there, don't quote me on that exactly. Um, there was one of the representative, Tim Ryan, uh, and I have a letter, by the way. So I, I kind of came up with my own modality based on that, called it Free Me EFT. But he wrote a letter to the Congress with undeniable empirical evidence that for the um, the vets that were returning with severe PTSD, that were not helped by any other uh, traditional, non-traditional way to release the PTSD after six sessions of emotional freedom technique of EFT for over 85% of them, PTSD was gone completely. And so because it was such, and and then they've said, okay, so let's look at what happens to the body. And they started taking tests, blood tests before and after the EFT session. And they found the cortisol, which is the stress hormone, goes down by 6% after three minutes of what's called tapping. It's when you gently tap on the pressure points. So it's the, and I think that opened the door at this point for most states, the nurses can take EFT as a continued ed class that actually counts towards their, um, you know, continued ed education once again but it is very easily a replicatable and duplicatable experience that has the data to back it up so that to me serves as a bridge between that and let's say something like theta healing which is working with person's energy while their brain is in a theta brain wave which by the way is the brain wave in which immune system repairs the body you know so but you can't prove it as easily. We do not have the measuring devices at this point that would equally prove reliably their repeatable experiments. So I think that's what you see. There is enough of it of where people are saying, wait a minute, how is it possible that a person puts their feet on the ground, they gently tap for stress and they feel better? And if we were to look into it and explain it, Okay, our thoughts are electric. Nobody freaks out about that. We know that. To have a thought, your brain has to wire synapses. They have to connect. Our thoughts are electrical current. Okay, what happens to every electrical current? It creates a magnetic field. That magnetic field is our emotions, right? So we're electromagnetic beings or we're thinking, feeling beings. And if those thinking... If those thinking, uh, you know, thoughts and emotions are not processed out of our body, they become stagnant, they become harmful, and um, 
they cause mental disorder, disorder, lack of order of energy, and disease, lack of ease. There's a, I guess he's a scientist, Miko Kaku. I hope I said his name correctly. I don't know. I may have butchered that really bad. But he was actually talking about not EFT, energy freedom techniques, is that what you said? Mm -hmm. But where we are getting to the point with, as far as like reading things from the body, we're actually to read more of like an bitmap image of the brain and like mm -hmm. thoughts and like, and hopefully with his talks that eventually get to where you can actually bring pictures out of the brain and like actually see what the dream world was like. Yeah. So it seems like, yeah, like what I was asking, so like this is becoming like more people want that. I think, especially like I would, you know, because Excellent. we, yeah. And like actually read or what's actually going on inside the brain and, you know, can I actually see like how is it actually being incorporated onto a computer bitmap image? And even if not, let's go further than that. But actually see like, you know, what else can we discover that we haven't already? I mean, is yeah. it true that we've only discovered like what, 10% of the brain? Is that true or something? That's what they say. They say that we're using only 10% of our brain. What I have to say is that we have only learned how to monitor 10% of the brain. Okay. It's like they were saying for years that, you know, there's all that great junk in DNA that DNA doesn't use. It's like, well, because we don't know what it's used for doesn't mean it's useless. So I think that's the same way. You know, um, something you were saying um, that triggered for me, not a memory, but kind of a concept that goes with that too, is that um, I think that we are all so interconnected that that desire to know more in a safe way is inevitable because you know the more and more people learn how it works they change the shift of exchange of energy around us and we respond to that you know we're, we're sponges well speaking of that this, yeah something you just connected me or connected when you say we're interconnected i forgot what bucket is but they have actually traced everything back to when I say they, you know, I guess scientists or mm -hmm. to a mitochondria Eve. And I don't mean that to uh, offend yes. anybody, but I forgot what, but like neuros, it's a textbook, a college textbook. And there's actually, yeah. that blew my mind. That's like, wow. We can trace that far back. When yeah. I, but yeah well, like you know, speaking of mitochondria, I, this, this is fascinating study that is amazing to me. Um, within mitochondria is the source of energy, which is ATP right? Sure. And if you take the level of production of energy within one human being, and if you were to expand it gram per gram, comparing it with the sun. So if I were the weight of the sun, and I pray and hope it never comes true. But if I were the size of the sun, the ability of a human body to produce light energy is 10,000 times more powerful than the sun. Wow. Now see, now see, that is kind of signs I love. And so we are beings of power and we're beings of light. We really are. We really are. 10,000 yeah. times. Is that what you said? Mm -hmm. Wow. 10,000 times. Yep. <laughs> wow. That just blew my mind with that. Yeah. So, you know, as we were just talking right there, you know, we just said this connected, this triggered or whatever. Is that stuff kind of living in our subconscious mind? you know, stuff we've heard and read before. Then like, I haven't, I don't remember when I read that book. It's probably been a year or so ago now. And I forgot mainly all about that until you said something. Absolutely. Our subconscious is so eager to answer any questions we ask. And for some reason, this is something that comes uh, through for me to, to really share with, 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 um, with you and with the podcast is that, you know, um, if, for anybody who has heard the phrase, it's actually this phrase that comes from, from the Christian scripture, right? It says, ask and you shall receive. And it's been regurgitated in every single possible angle. And people look at it as ask for something and you shall receive. And there's whole, you know, movement of people manifesting, running around manifesting cars, you know? Yeah. And I mean, more power to them, okay? More power to them. But it's not what is meant by that phrase ask and you shall receive our question dictates the direction of our reticular activating system and that reticular activating system then dips into our subconscious and delivers the evidence for what we ask meaning if you ask yourself how stupid am i you have given a question to your subconscious mind to filter all of the available data to it, which by the way, it moves and process 400 billion bits of information a second, while the conscious mind does only 2000. So it says, oh, wait a minute, 
Hold it, hold it. You want to know how stupid you are? Here are the examples. When we ask how much better can it get, our brain commands the biological mechanism of RAS, reticular activating system. It's like an, it's a, a, you know, it's a cluster of nerves at, at the bottom of your brain. And it seeks that out. And I'll, you know, if I were to ask you, Chris, what color are you thinking about? Red. Red. And were you thinking about it before I asked you? Of not course really. not. You were not talking really. about RAS. But yeah. the second I've asked you, your subconscious must answer it. So think what you ask because your life will answer it. And that's all there is to about asking you shall receive. So when you're going through a horrible time, don't ask how much worse can it get? Ask how can it get better? Like almost out loud, but definitely ask yourself, how can it get better? But even more importantly, if you're going through a good time, what all of us do is what? All good things come to an end. I wonder when it's going to end. I wonder when another shoe is going to drop, right? We are, we're just addicted to self-sabotage. So when things are good, your question is how much better can it get? How much better can I become, right? So the art of creating a life of your choosing is the art of asking the right question. And mm-hmm. it's just, it's very, pop, it, it's just very, very profound. And, to, and just so the listeners know and audience knows that when you say RAS, reticular activation, that's kind of referring to, if I heard this correctly, say if I wanted to go get a specific car and I never see it, but then I finally buy that car and now I see it everywhere now. Yeah. That kind of yeah. yeah, the job of the, well, okay, so this is fun. I tell people, move your ass, R-A-S, and that'll move <laughs> your ass, A-S-S. I mean, that's just, now you'll always remember it, right? Yeah, you that's just, smart. Just start with one RAS and the other one follows, okay? And so the job for that system is to filter everything else out. It's not a system of selection. It's a, it's a filter because once again, we're aware subconsciously of 400 billion pieces of information at all times. So our conscious picks only 2,000 out of that. And that 2000 is controlled by the question slash command we give to our RAS. That's its job. It's a filtering device. You know how you put on the water and you filter all the junk that shouldn't go in. That's what it does for the input from subconscious to shift it and put it into the conscious awareness, which is why, just like you said, when I buy, you know, my car, my RAS says, oh, look at this car. So it filters most of the other cars out. And it's not that there are more of them on the road. It's just that I see it everywhere because I'm filtering everything else out. Yeah. And going on along with that, there is something to the way you talk to yourself, you know, that if you talk to yourself in a negative way, that your brain is probably going to like a sponge, going to eat that up. And it's going to just, I don't know, eat up inside you, right? Rather, if you actually talk to yourself in more positive ways, you get more out of it. Correct. Very much so. Very yeah. much so. And I tell people, you can you can play with that. Just say I'm stressed ten times, and then see how you feel, and then say I'm calm ten times, and see how you feel. Just those two, just those two. It's night and day. Yeah, I've talked about this before, but I was at a conference, and there was a keynote speaker, and he actually brought a guest up on stage, and he said, uh, you know, he pulled out his arm like this, and you know, he's like, oh yeah, you can you can hold it up. You're good, right? Mm-hmm. And then. You know, he says, well, I want you to say you're weak. Like, I forgot how many times, five times or so. And the guy goes like, I'm weak, I'm weak, I'm weak. And then like, you know, I can't remember his name, but then he pushed down on that arm and just went down like that instantly. And at first, you know, I I thought that was staged, you know, I thought that was not real. You know, they were just, you know, Mm -hmm. you know, that was no, there's no way. But then, you know, I kind of do a little small experience with myself and kind of, you know, talk to myself in certain ways when I'm alone in private and like, Oh wait, you know, I do feel weird now. I do feel weaker. I do feel like you said, like, you know, more stressed out. But then if I Mm -hmm. talk to myself and like, Hey, fine, everything's cool. You know, you're going to do well. And it completely changes the game Mm -hmm. and more people don't recognize that. Yeah. Kinesthesiology is what you're describing, you know, the muscle testing and kinesthesiology is a science that kind of was based on muscle testing. And if you are new to it and you want to discover it for yourself, you you might not have a friend who's crazy enough to be pushing on your arm. So, you know, like like you said, you want to hide in your room and be like, okay, nobody's watching. I'm okay. So the funnest way to do it is like, like uh, making number eight with your fingers. Like if I don't know that I can describe it, I don't think you're doing a video, but if you're 
putting the two fingers, like, you know, locking them in and just, so if you take a thumb and what is it called? A pointer, right? A thumb and what is this finger? I have no uh, idea. Remember yeah, Ukrainian index goal? Index finger. Here we go. Here we go. Here's an English boy. So index finger <laughs> and the thumb. <laughs> and, then, and then you kind of interlock them to create number eight with the uh, with the thumb and the index finger on the other hand, right? And just pull it for gentle resistance, okay? And so when you close your eyes and you say yes and pull, okay, pull, Chris, see how it's catching it, yeah? Yeah. And now say, now say out loud no and pull it again with the same strength. So tell tell them what happened, Chris. Tell them what happened. <laughs> no way that just happened. Okay, now do another one. I don't want now, I'm, I'm, okay, so I'm, so they I'm, break I'm, up. At, okay, so what? The, the, I wish we had a face, right? Because when you say yes, it'll catch, but when you say no, it'll open up. And because the electric circuit is bro- broken, now say this. It's even this is gonna be even freakier and cooler. Now close your eyes and say my name is Chris out loud, and then pull. My name is Chris. And now say my name is Victoria. My name is Victoria. Right. And there you go. We just muscle tested. And so what you're muscle testing is for the flow of the current of belief in your body. Think of the electricity. When electrical circuit is closed, the electricity is running through. When it's open, it no longer runs through. So because thoughts run through our body and control our circuit, you know your name. It's a closed circuit. You know you're not Victoria. It's an open circuit. So this is how I change beliefs for people because very often a person will come or people in the audience sit there and they're like, this is all great, but I'm broken, stupid. 80% of people in America start with the belief I'm broken, stupid, by the way, our greatest secret. Now the other 20 don't know they think it. So it's okay. It's okay. Because genetically we've been programmed to either be broke financially or stupid. You know, somebody somewhere between ages birth and three convinced you. And so when you muscle test, you know, I'm broke or I'm stupid, it freaks you out to know you have it. And so we shift that program to, I know what it feels like to be smart and capable. And it's just that quick, you're just reprogramming the flow of the current and that changes how you feel about yourself. So I love energy work. I mean, I can talk about that for hours and hours and hours and hours, but we don't have it. So I'll shut up. (laughs) So, you know, when you say that people are 80% of people say they're broken, stupid, is that Mm -hmm. because, you know, we talked about the environment a little bit earlier. Is that the environment they grow up in? Is that the culture, the society that kind of imposes those beliefs? Everything everything together you know there isn't one aspect um how many of you like have heard i know i have even though it was in ukrainian not english that money doesn't grow on the tree now you see you you can't see but i have like a book prosper me and i purposefully have like money and tree because by the way paper money does grow on the tree so i don't know who came up with that money doesn't grow on the tree but paper money actually grows that. on the tree because it is paper let's start there okay? i never thought about that that's so <laughs> true there you go but we've been told so many times you know money is evil money is the root of all evil or yeah. you know or who do you think you are you know and so all of these programs prevent us from seeking stability because we think we'll become bad people if you know i I uh, was shocked when I was doing research because I first followed the inner prompting. I call it the spirit, right? I, I talk to God, the great overall designer, however you refer to that higher source. But I tell people, I tell people, if you, if you don't have a higher sauce t- source, talk to your ego because it didn't create you. I mean, just have a little honest conversation. You can believe in evolution as your higher power. I don't care, but you got to believe there is something higher than you. And I bring people together by saying, you know, let's just not worry about the word God. It's a great overall designer. And if you think it was big bang for you and it is somebody else for me, let's just start there, you know? And so for me, I I talk to that source, you know, daily. And when the prompting or the feeling came, hey, sit down, write this book about money, you little energy girl writing, you know, fluttering around about enlightenment. I'm like, me, it's money, you know, wrote the book. And of course the book is being released at a time when we're sliding into global recession. and when I was doing the stats, I actually, actually, to be honest with you, actually cried because I read that today, 60% of Americans wake up in cold sweats at least once a night, worrying about future and worrying about money. And then another sombering statistic was that 35% don't have $1,000 for incidentals. Mm. 35%, three out of 10 people, if they have $1,000 they didn't plan on, 
they put it on a credit card, they borrow it from a friend, or they take a personal debt out. You know, and it just it just breaks my heart. It really does. Yeah. It really does. Yeah, thirty-five percent. That's way higher than I would have thought. That not to have a thousand dollars for incidental. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we rich, we're, we live in a rich, you know, area. You and I are in different parts of Virginia. Yeah. We, live in, we live in very affluent areas. Well, I mean, what what is it? One percent. If you make over thirty four thousand, this was probably a stat I read a few years ago. If you make over thirty four thousand dollars a year, you're in a one percent. Does that make sense? I I think you're you're in the top five. I think yeah, you're in the top five, and I think I think the top one is when you make over two fifty. But it's not. I mean, it's not much. All I'm saying is that it's just not for what our country has to offer. It's not optimizing the resources in the best way. We just live in such fear, and I think we live in such fear. You know, for many reasons, we don't teach our kids about you know things that they can use daily such as money in school and we don't you know and we're programming them for that debt is okay you know we have a program that debt is okay so yeah well i mean again that's debt is not okay but you know if you go along with the social narrative in order to be successful you know and i work in higher education but you know you have to take out these ridiculous loans just to get to Unless you have, you know, a, a good safety net as far as a family system to help you out with those. And then it's almost setting you up for failure yeah. coming out of college, in which that's bad for me to say. But it is at the same time, it's kind of the, the truth of it, that mm-hmm. there's not exactly the greatest opportunities right now that you would expect. Right. Does that yeah. Kind of make sense? Yeah, but, no, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. You know, I think uh, we expect 18-year-olds to plan for the rest of their future while incurring the debt. Most of them graduate, and unless they're in science, <clears throat> uh, they change their majors. I don't remember the numbers anymore, but I but the number of people that work within their major is so minimal. Mm. Okay, so my, my one of my I have I have a few educations, but one of my majors was the Russian languages because I'm from Ukraine. I came here. I was married, got pregnant, wanted to get a degree. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite. And then, you know, I had stats and I really worked in statistical, uh, which is why I still love numbers for a very short period of time. I taught statistics for three years. I taught Russian language and history. You know, then I had psychology degree. I did that for a couple of years. But it had nothing to do with what I'm doing right now. What I'm doing right now, I got a degree in, you know, 10 years ago. So I can relate 100%. You know, I got my bachelor's in PE, and then I got my master's in sports management, and now I'm working in IT. So there you go. Yeah. And now that's just <laughs> with the majority. For the majority. Didn't have that planned at all. And I can say most of my friends are 
I mean, there's a couple that actually went on to do their things and, you know, use their degrees. But for the majority of my friends I graduated with, they're all doing something completely different. Yep. But, you know, in talking about the brain, though, I think it's for males that the frontal lobe is not fully developed until 24, 25. 25. Yeah. yeah. So, and I add, you for all so lucky. <laughs> <laughs> But <laughs> I like. That. Sorry. No, no, not don't be sorry. I'll tell you. Not a statistical funny. research, but if we're so lucky, I like it because I can't excuse some of the behaviors of a forty-year-old, and I'm praying that it might be the brain that's still forming. I mean, you know. I love it. <laughs> uh, but no, I, I agree hundred percent with that. Yeah, I agree. If we're so lucky, but I mean, what? Do you think that, I mean, going against or going with what I said earlier, I mean, do you think that has something to do with, you know, with college? Maybe they should wait or students should wait until, you know, that brain is a little bit more developed. I think, I think um, this is is just me and I'm fiscally very conservative, you know, just because I know the emotional and physiological stress that a person has subconsciously when they are in debt. It's not pretty. It's not pretty. So I think that my advice always is out of school, if your parents were not so financially educated as to have a five, you know, 529 plan for you, which by the way, if you're a parent and you've never heard about the plan and you have a little kid, please look into 529. I'm not a financial advisor. I cannot give you financial advice. This is common knowledge, right? But look the plan up because it is non-taxable going in and it's non-taxable going out. So you're, you're saving money from tax. You can start with very little, but if, if you do a couple hundred, when your kid is little, putting it into 529, by the time they go to school, their school is paid. And then, you know, if the kid cannot get a scholarship, at least partially, by golly, do the first two years in oh. the, in the uh, you know, what are they called? Community colleges. They won't be graduating from community college, but you're saving yourself 20, 40 grand. Exactly. Then get them transfer, get them transfer into their bachelor. So you've saved a ton of money. And by the way, here's a shocker. It doesn't matter what school they graduate from. It doesn't. I know I know IV schools will not have me come and talk and I can tell you why, because this is the big secret, because because it doesn't matter after your first job, whether you got a degree from Harvard or not. The first job. Yeah, you're out of Harvard. But your second job doesn't look at your degree from Harvard. It looks at what you did after Harvard. True. For the rest of your freaking life and your $250,000 education or whatever you paid. So if you can, if you qualify, go do it. You will, you will meet phenomenal people. You will see there is a reason why Ivy League schools are what they are. You, you have financing for phenomenal research. Please go do it. But if you're going into debt for the rest of your life, be smart with it. Be smart with it. So those Harvard kids will graduate and be working for you because you'll run your little business <laughs> with no debt, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, I didn't want this to be an education podcast, but I mean, even in, as long as you have some type of degree now that you're going to be okay, whether than, yeah. you know, whatever, you know, I went to Radford university and it's a very, very small university, but nobody ever really cares. You know, it's just kind of like, Oh, do you have a degree? Like, yeah, I'm good. But yeah, but, but more questions than not, or more times than not, when I'm actually in my interviews or were in my interviews, that they never really asked about what happened in college. They asked about my experience and what have I done. And, you know, it was kind of like, you know, I guess more of your, what is it, your side activities in college? Is that the word? Extracurricular curricular activities? Like, hey, what were you doing in college? You know, and like how, how can you bring expertise or importance to this position? So that's more what it seems to be, in my opinion, now. So yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Well, I think we value where and, and this is not that's shifting the conversation i think beautifully i think we are poisoned in this culture right now by appearance at expense of substance how do you mean i think how things appear is becoming more important than what they really are and what they stand for and so i think you know if you got um shiny little car people might assume you got money. I work with those people that come out of those shiny little cars and they have nothing 
to back them up with by debt, stress, broken relationships, and bankruptcy. Like I, my soul is crying over the loss of substance. You know, it's like, golly. So things are not what they seem to be. You know, we, we've got to reverse back to substance. Yeah, we've I, got, yeah. I thought that's what you were saying. And I'm glad you said that because I think I've said that numerous times that, you know, I, th- I forgot where I heard it, but someone told me one time that you're not really successful unless you have a Rolex, right? Ah. Yeah. And I was like, mm, I don't know about all that. And you know, let I'll- me take my Rolex off real quick and then we'll continue. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I mean, I have nothing against Rolexes or anything like that, but, and, um, but I was like, yeah, that's fine. I mean, that's great and all, but that doesn't really, it's a, is that a status symbol? Okay. That's fine. If that's what you want to impose on people. But, you know, one of the best things I ever heard in my life was that, um, Whenever you walk into a restaurant, you never have, never worry about what the bill is going to be, you know, and that's when you know you're doing okay. And for and from then on, that just resonated with me so much. It's like that makes so much sense. You know, I have some of the best times with me walking into a restaurant, not caring about what I'm going to order and not how much it's going to be, and like have the best conversations and you know break bread with all the people around me. And it's like, yeah, that would love make, that. Yeah, love it's, that. it's more. And also, you know, like not only that, but coincide with that that. You know, John Wilborn, he's one of these guys that's got a – he's an NFL player, has his own podcast, and he's real philosophical mm-hmm. and has cool in, cool takes on things like this. But, you know, he was saying that, hey, when you're looking back on your life and when you're on your deathbed, you don't want to be sitting there thinking that, you know, oh, man, I wish I would have got that iPhone or I wish I would have got that, you know, that Lamborghini, which those are nice. I'm not knocking nice things. Don't get me wrong. But mm-hmm. it's more that the memories and, you know, things that are going to be stored in your brain that when you look back on it's like, yeah. Well, you know, and since since you're a reader in that in that whole category, there's a great book that's called Five Top Regrets of the Dying. Have you read that? You oh. will love that. It is it's actually written by a hospice nurse from Australia. One of my favorite books. And it so speaks to your point right there, because she actually got to be by the side of the people that were dying. And she writes five top regrets that went over and over and over and over and over again. And I'm going to spoil it for, for you. For That's your, okay. I want to, I'm sorry. Yeah. I was going to add. Yeah. But, but yeah, let's just say more material success was not one of them. I don't <laughs> and, doubt it. Yeah. yeah. I don't doubt it at all. You know, I mean, I love what you're saying and you seem, you know, like you've thought about everything, obviously that, you're saying, and you know, you know your stuff very well, but when you were younger and stuff, did you ever see your life going this way or? Of course not. Yeah. I mean, I grew up in Ukraine. I, my grandma's house had an outhouse. The indoor plumbing was the sign of outer luxury, but, but I would sit by bushes and eat fresh berries, nice, you know? Nice. So, so there is a different level of abundance, right? I ate everything off the ground organic we call it here organic <laughs> you know and it was just it was just uh, a lifestyle so abundance comes in different forms and shapes and um so i think all of us look back and the life makes sense looking back right i think uh, steve jobs says that uh, you know that life is connecting dots looking back and the anxiety comes for a lot of us when we're trying to force to see forward i'm all about having a vision for the future but I think it's not being attached to that vision to the degree that you are unaware of what's happening in your present. You know, I, I work with a lot of people and um, I laugh because this particular quote has been attributed to Buddha. And I know for a fact, Buddha couldn't have said it because <laughs> so we'll just kind of go with the Internet wisdom. You know, if you if you love were it. to run it through Internet, that's love that's who. But, you know, and so but the concept I love, the concept is that when you look back, um, that the depression is a result of looking back on your past with regret mm. and anxiety is looking forward into your future with fear. That sounds familiar. I love that distinction, you know, because, and the truth is we only do have this very moment and we only have the energy because we have limited energy moment to moment, you know, that runs through our body. And so we only have energy for this moment. So if I'm not fully living this moment i'm either regretting the past or i'm anxious about the future i've wasted that moment you know and people talk about time energy and money as three resources 
And what I've come to really believe that there's that one resource of energy and how we balance it allocates the use of time and money. So if you, you know, you can be worrying about doing something and you burn time and you prevent yourself from making money and you're wasting your energy, or the second it crossed your mind, you can move your ass and then move your ass and do it, <laughs> you know? And so, and that's just, it's just in a nutshell, life can be that simple. Mine is a subconscious sabotage, but life can be that simple, you know? So when you say, ah, I should call my mom, ah, yeah, I have a feeling I should call my mom and it's week goes by, I should call my mom. And then it's months and you find out your mom was sick when you had that, I should call my mom. And that's the regret. So now you no longer feel the prompting for the moment because now you're regretting not having done sure. something. So, yeah. Yeah. No, I firmly believe in that. I mean, that makes perfect sense to me that, you know, the energy you put into something is what you'll probably get out of it. You know, so if you do nothing, you're going to get nothing out of it. But if you're putting it into it as a, a goal or, you know, calling your mom or, you know, trying to fix broken relationships. I don't know, whatever it is that you're going to get something out of it, whether it's good or bad, but I think hopefully most of the time good. Yeah. There's something to that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, and kind of going back though, when I saw you asking about, you know, if you ever saw yourself doing this, I mean, did you have one moment in your life where you thought that, Ooh, manifestation that it hit you or like that was actually where I wanted it or I noticed that there was something to it or, you know, the universal law came to you or something like that. Yeah. I've had, I've had, two moments that I'll bring back to back that I come to often. Um, when I was five, uh, I was playing with a doll and I wanted to find a hanger from my doll's dress. Mm -hmm. And so I pulled out a metal pin out of my hair and I stuck into the socket. And in Ukraine, it's a 240 volts, not 125. And so the good thing is that I did not get electrocuted because, you know, I probably would not be sitting here now. Sure. But um, the electrical power blew and the fuses blew. And so so did my grandpa who was watching me. He ran in. He was screaming about death and dying. And, and it was interesting because I'm very aware of that conversation because by the time I was five, I already have experienced a lot of death in my family. And around that same time, I had a very traumatic experience of being in the Black Sea and witnessing a rather traumatic, I'll just say, huh? yeah. death in the sea there. And uh, and there were years, 2013 was a year when 11 people died in my life, you know? And so I, I've had so many moments of really understanding what death is all about to only understand that its main purpose was to frame life. So I don't know if there was this one moment, but it was a gradual awareness of the preciousness and sacredness of life as was framed by loss after loss after loss. Um, and I think the final moment was, and I get emotional because here I am, I've lost all these people, but I had this one dog that I was so close to, and his name was Amos. And I remember coming home and, you know, I walk into the house and I, he's not meeting me at the door. And I heard him upstairs and I said, look, buddy, you know, you've come and meet, met me every year, every day. I'll just come see you. He died shortly after a couple of days. And it was really interesting to me that despite all of these tragic losses, losing, I felt like he was my, I don't know, emotional indicator, you know, just could... Losing him was probably the most um, spiritual transformative moment in my life where I said, wait a minute, there is such beauty in this transformational moment of death and dying. And literally the skies open, right? Like literally I have seen around him, greeting him, all the people that I have lost. And I cannot deny that reality. And I tell my husband, I don't care if they put me in a mental institution. I will not deny that reality. I have seen it. It's, it's the moment where belief shifted from belief to knowing. And because up till then I believed, and that's what the faith is, what has sustained me through every loss. But with his passing, there is no longer faith about that. There's just clear knowing. There's such pure, clear knowing that life is, that death is just 
another version of continuation of life. And when you gain that fearlessness of life, then you want to know how it all works. And that's when I started passionately studying everything that has to do with the operation of cosmos, the operation of life, and understanding how things work, how they manifest. So that's a long answer to your question. As to, I appreciate yeah. you even sharing that. I mean, that's yeah. brought memories to me, you know, even when I was a child that, you know, I lost a couple of dogs when I was little and I never put the connection like you did with it, but it was, you know, and I grew up in a very rural area where it was just no stoplights, no, you know, all farmland. There's two little general stores. You had to drive 45 minutes to the nearest grocery store, but mm. And, you know, and, you know, I had a, I had a good childhood growing up and everything, but, you know, to have that connection or have that type of, you know, even talk with my parents about actually what happened and what is their thoughts on it? Like it never really happened for me. It was mm-hmm. just kind of like, you know, he's, he's gone, you know, just move on. And, but, you know, and I remember just, just broken hearted, you know, when I was a little kid and that was my dog. And it was just like what you were saying is, man, kind of like tearing up a little bit. He's yeah. like, well, yeah, man. And, you know, even like these, I mean, they're part of the family at some point. And oh, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. I don't know where I was really going with that thought. I was just kind of talking out loud and it's good. thanking just cause, but yeah, but, um, but moving on, I mean, yeah, let me get out of that. What's so, uh, let's switch gears a little bit. So, um, I wanted, I did want to ask you about as far as going back to the brain and things, mm-hmm. that I, you know, as far as like John Hopkins University, I think they're actually doing studies with uh, psilocybin mushrooms on the brain and like with mm-hmm. PTSD and like how it's actually showing healing factors in the brain for people who've suffered like concussions or mm-hmm. uh, CTE and stuff like that. I mean, do you have any thoughts on that or anything? I do. I am pro-supervised psychedelic used with supervised being all capital, bold, <laughs> <laughs> hung all over. And so uh, especially I think in uh, in the Northern Europe, they've been incredibly successful where they are healing people from um you know, from diseases such as depression, clinical depression, right? The hormonal, de- the, the chemical depression, and from a whole bunch of things, uh, fibromyalgia, chronic pain. So I am very much pro psychedelic use when it is microdosed and supervised because it is such a powerful ingredient that when it is in microdosed and supervised, they now have more and more proof that when it's self-directed and self-used, it actually causes the opposite effect very often. And you have people with onsets of schizophrenia or multiple personality disorder and so forth and so on. So it's like anything else in life. It can be used for great good or for great evil (laughs) in the right hands at the right time. That's what determines. Yeah. But I'm very much pro that research. Yeah. You know, I've never used any type of psychedelics or anything hard like that. It just never really occurred to me that I needed to. But when I've you know, at, talk to people about microdosing and about mm-hmm. psychedelics and listen to people and their experiences that, you know, even if they don't have any type of trauma to the brain or anything, that even just microdosing, that they feel a lot of benefits from just using that mm-hmm. you know, on a daily basis. And it's made me wonder that, you know, if I did incorporate that into my daily life, like how much would it change me? I guess I hope that's right. You know, you know, I have, I have a non-traditional approach to anything that we're dependent on. I figure I'm good with water and oxygen, (laughs) but if I need anything else regularly to be who I believe I am, Mm. I know there is presence of disease or dependency. And I think the reason that I am cautious about is that is because um, freedom of choice to me is a non-negotiable. And because I'm very much aware that our freedom of choice determines how our conscious functions, which in its turn controls how our subconscious functions. And I know there's so many people that are under influence that do things that they would not otherwise do if they had a full presence of their conscious mind. So I'm very cautious of saying anything, you know, in terms of dependency, I think we're such phenomenally crafted beings that we can reach the maximum potential of who we are by regulating our 
there are three brains in our body, right? There is not just brain that's in our head. And now they have found the, um, the same neurons that are in our brain, they are now hard and they're in our guts. Yeah, and people don't know that 80% of, by the way, 80% of um, serotonin is produced in your guts. 80%. That's your happiness. That's your everything. So you eat junk, you have bad bacteria, you're depressed, you know, and then this, I'm not coming after anybody who is junk. I eat plenty of my own junk. Right. Yeah. But, but there are three, but there are three brains. So we talk about one brain and we attribute so much to it, but they're actually three brains and the speed and they're communicating between themselves for a, a vagus nerve. And they now are um, the Heart Math Institute has the studies showing that our heart communicates with our brain and directs our brain in our head. So our heart brain sends the most uh, controlled impulses to our brain. So all of us, and it's not going to be a sexy statement, but it's true. All of us make emotional decisions and then we justify them logically. Some of us have gotten very good at justifying them logically but we are, are controlled by the brain of our heart. And now brain heart is supported by our gut feeling. So when people say, I knew it in my guts, guess what? It's actual scientific statement. You actually did. You have a brain in your guts. We should listen to it the most and then tune into the courage of our heart and then have the fearful monkey brain in our head take a back seat. But, yeah. Brain in the guts is... Very similar to intuition, you think? Yes, very much so. It's kind of a biological, it's a biological mechanism for processing the intuition. I love the word, I love English. English is my third language, I think, that I learned because, um, you know, I grew up uh, speaking Ukrainian and Russian. So it's not the first language. And there are moments sometimes when I still make people stare when I'm trying to <laughs> convey something. But but I love it. I love English because it is so descriptive in terms of if you really study the etymology of words, it describes so much. So you look at the word intuition, it's into it. You're into it. You're into something. So when people say you're intuitive about the stocks, you're intuitive about relationships, you're intuitive, it's because you're so tuned into something, you develop neural receptors that allow for you to kind of scan it and foresee it. So we all are born with unique set of intuitive abilities and whatever we're into, we develop into healthy intuition with eventually. You know, and a lot of gamblers will tell you that they know inside, don't do it. And they'll do it anyway, right? Because the, the addiction kicks in, but yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I had an uncle who suffered from gambling addiction. Mm, and, sorry to hear that. Yeah, and it was kind of like that. That he always knew it was gonna it was gonna happen. You know, there you go. Big one, and yeah. obviously it went down a bad road for him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very tragic. Yeah, yeah. a little a little off topic though. I mean, because you sparked my curiosities that uh, you know, I know a couple of people who speak a bunch of, or a few different languages. But was English one of the hardest ones to learn for you? Because there's I've heard that since English has so much slang. No, no, but the idioms, the slang, yeah, that was hard. Okay, so I don't know the age or uh, the audience, but there's this particular word that I did not realize was a swear word for 20 years. And I've been using it left and right. So let's just say it's 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 a um, it's a child who did not have a father. Okay, <laughs> so that particular B word, you know, in, in Ukrainian means clueless. Okay, clueless. So I'm watching a movie with my daughter. She's like 17, 18 at that point. And I'm watching with my friend and we're watching a movie and she says, oh, that guy is such a, you know, B and uh, and my friend goes, I didn't know. Yeah, yeah, you bastard, you know, such a bastard. And she's like, oh, I didn't realize you were swearing. And I'm like, that's not a swear word. She goes, oh, yeah, it is. I'm like, no, it's not. I say it all the time. She's like, just because you say it all the time doesn't mean it's not a swear word. So then it gets better. I call my son, who is like 14 or 15 at the time. I'm like, honey, you know how you wouldn't do the dishes and I call you bastard? <laughs> You know, you know that in Ukrainian, it's like means clueless that I'm like, and he goes, oh, mom, I know you love me. Like, don't sweat it. Then I call my husband. I'm like, dude, 
20 freaking years we played tennis. I mean, I call you bastard all the time. You never told me it was a swear word. He goes, I probably deserved it, right? I mean, I can tell the, the most embarrassing one was, of course, I was teaching a little, little church class of five-year-olds. I'm like, oh, oh no, I didn't. Oh, no. oh, oh yeah, no. I did. I just cried the bad king that word. So anyway, the bottom line is yes. Yes, because it is, uh, you will always have those interesting moments when it's not your native language. Okay. There are fewer of them now. I try not to swear openly on the open air. <laughs> it's okay. I don't mind it one bit. It's it's funny. But I know we're getting a little short on time here, but I had one more or maybe two more things I wanted to talk to you about real quick. And we don't have to go into a long discussion about it. But one of them, since we've been talking about the brain mostly, was that obviously I think you know who Elon Musk is, right? Yes. Okay. And his invention with the Neuralink. And that's going to be placed into your brain. And for those who don't know what it is, that – Basically, it's going to make us get cell phone information inside our brains without needing a cell phone, correct? And also that a person who is paraplegic would be able to walk with it. I wanted to get your thoughts on it and see what you, if you had anything. I think, I think all my advice is always situational. It's not going into my brain. If I were paraplegic, it would be going into my brain. I don't think there's a blanket answer to anything. I think if it improves impact and increases your ability to implement free choice and free agency and enjoy everything life has to offer, that's great. But I think it's in any way proven, unproven, studied or unstudied, uh, diminishes your ability, then I would say no. That's just as easy. And I think it's probably true for anything in our life. What works for one might not work for another. So for my brain, as it is functioning now, no chips will be implanted. <laughs> Chip free brain. Chip free brain. <laughs> well, I love it. But no, uh, yeah, I, I'm with you that I would never be an early adopter of it, but I would like to see what's going on and keep checking it out and see the pros and cons to it and down the road, maybe make a decision. You know, obviously I think I'm in good health and I'm kind of with you that I don't need it, but since I already have a, a cell phone, if I need to look up anything, I can just do it right there. But it's just kind of, it's kind of fascinating. It's kind of cool that, you know, we have somebody on this planet that is thinking in these terms and who is trying to take us to a next level. And um, yeah, it's, it's kind of fun to talk about. And like, oh, I'll watch when it goes into his brain. Exactly. I'll just, I'll just, I'll just monitor when, what, and how it goes into his brain. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but yeah. But, but uh, right now, right now, he's on my favorite list because, of course, he put the satellite over Ukraine uh, very early into the war, which allowed for communication and, you know, have family and friends. Sure. So, so he is chip or no chip. He's one of my faves right now. Sure. Yeah. Well, good. Good. That's what I, I just kind of wanted to know. Just comes, you have more expertise, obviously, on the brain than I do, and just get share your thoughts with that part. So, but. I think we can take it home on that right there. And uh, I think we've hit a lot of good topics tonight. And um, Victoria, if you want to plug away, if people want to find you or find your book or anything you want to plug right now, feel free to. Yeah, I think um, the one thing that um, I'll give you guys my site and you can find a lot of good stuff there. The site is u2shine.com, Y-U, number two, Shine. Dot com. And when you go to the site, we have a really cool five minute meditation that's free and it allows for you to shift from scared, I call it the sacred, which in just five minutes, it allows for you to identify those parts of you that are sabotaging, that are scared, that are scared of life. If you look at the word scared and sacred, you just move one C and I call it the C of commitment. It's whether you're committed to be afraid of life, or you're committed to live it fully. So that is free. And that's something that um, if, if we change the offering, it's always going to be free. You can find it there. Uh, and then if you if somebody who's listening really is interested in energy work, I have a phenomenal subscription group that's called quantum freedom you can look it up and study it if you decide you want to join our family make sure to put chris 30 for chris's podcast and you're going to save 30 percent and once we enter a code it's there forever so it doesn't matter when you're listening but that that'll be the saving for you um for that and if you're listening after june 25th which i assume so get a book prosper me the 35 universal laws to make money work for you and let's make america prosper one person at a time a lot of the money will go to support ukraine (laughs) good i like that um victoria thanks for uh thanks for doing this late night podcast with me 
This Thank great. you. It was so much fun. Thank you for having me. Very welcome. All right, everybody, we're out here. Be good to yourselves. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park.